This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. Rivalry Week Recap. If you like the podcast, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast: Apple, Google, Spotify. This is on YouTube. Hit that like button, smash that subscribe button. Shoot me emails, Talk at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Big time week of college football. The last week for a lot of programs, a lot of teams, and some big news, including a new head coach for the Michigan State Spartans. We'll talk about that, as well as the need to find a new head coach for the Indiana Hoosiers. As it was reported this morning, Tom Allen was fired, and he also gets a big-time buyout. I believe it's $20.8 million that the Hoosiers need to eat out of that contract. Let's start, though, with my power rankings, national top 10, and then we'll talk about the coaching situation. I'm going to start at the top because I think the top obviously is obvious. And what I'm going to do is, is as I go through these, I'm going to go through the games from this past week and, and just tell you all about my thoughts. The Michigan Wolverines are my number one team, obviously, number one team in the East have pretty much guaranteed a playoff spot at this point. And I don't think it's particular. Like I, I thought they played a good game. I didn't feel like they played their best game against the Buckeyes, but I thought they ran it when they needed to uh, crazy stat. They have not punted the past three second halves in the game. That's absurd, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but it just goes to show you how good the Wolverines have been controlling the line of scrimmage in the second half of games. And I think that was one of the one of the many reasons why Michigan came away with a win in that game. Michigan won 30 to 24 over Ohio State. And I thought I thought they controlled the line of scrimmage. I thought J.J. McCarthy played a good game. I didn't think they played a great game. But the thing that really stood out to me about Michigan was when things went sideways on them, they responded. So I, I thought Ohio State, their best drive, they ran the ball eight times, eight straight times, power football, and showed, hey, we're going to run it at you. We're going to run it on you. And Michigan they responded and they responded with a big time drive 
that got him a touchdown and then a three and out and then another drive that got him a field goal made it a 10 point game uh, either late into the third quarter or early into the fourth quarter. Again, and that touchdown drive where Brett Blake Quorum scored, I think it was a 25 yard touchdown. Zach Zinner, maybe their best player on offense, maybe their best player overall. He goes down with a broken leg, broken tibia prayers, prayers up for him. Uh, and you think, Oh wow. Michigan's in a lot of trouble. Nope. He goes down. Blake Corum scores a touchdown. You know, Will Johnson is, is out in the second half. You think, Oh, Marvin Harrison's going to go crazy. Nope. They they're able to, to really key things up in the back end. And yes, Marvin Harrison did get a touchdown, but they got the game winning pick. The defensive line stepped up. I, the, the thing that you can't take away from the Wolverines is how resilient they are, right? Like they've had a lot of controversy, you know, rightly or wrongly. And, and I'm sure there's going to be more to come on that. But this team has not quit. And, and here's the other thing I thought Sharon Moore called a phenomenal game. He pressed the right buttons. He had the right emotions, uh, bringing in, I think it was Alex orgy to, to run QB run a phenomenal change up. You know, they got the halfback pass, great play call. He made great calls in this game and it's why they are going to the big 10 championship game. Uh, and, and you know, kudos to Sheryl Moore, kudos to to Michigan. You know, I'm sure there'll be more about Signgate as things develop. But for now, I, I want to focus on the fact that without signs, without Harbaugh, Zach Zinner goes down, and he's probably done for for the year, maybe done for his career. Um, at, at least his college career, obviously. Um, Will Johnson goes down. And you still get it done. That's just, it's a testament to the culture up at Michigan and they deserve, they deserve it. They deserve to be number one. They deserve to have won that game. Ohio state, obviously my number two team. And whereas I think Michigan earned it, I think Ohio state also blew it. I think both can be true. I thought Sharon Moore outcoached Ryan day. I think J.J. McCarthy outplayed Kyle McCord. Um, and I thought, you know, I, I when J.R. was on the podcast for the picks, I, I, I said the three things that concern me about this game, Kyle McCord's inconsistencies. He threw two picks. The first one is inexcusable. The second was uh, the run fits for the linebackers. Tackling was awful by the linebackers. And then the third was special teams and Michigan dominated special teams. Ohio state didn't know when they should fair, fair catch on kick returns. They missed a 50 yard field goal and they, you know, they lost the punting battle. They never were able to pin Michigan deep when they chose to punt. And there's a lot more I want to go into more kind of the future of both these programs. Cause I think there's a perception out there that it's going to get easier for Ohio state next year. And I don't think that's true. I, now 
a lot of that is dependent on what happens with the NCAA investigation with Michigan. But I'm, I'll say this as, as a tease for a future podcast. I think it, I think there's a real possibility that we are starting to see the downfall of Ohio state. I think I've said that for the past year or so, but this was, this was a game they could have had. And you look at all the little things that they should have, like all the little ways they could have gained an advantage in this game. And not one of them, they succeeded. And that has become characteristic of a Ryan day team. I like Ryan day. I think he's a very good play caller when he's in the zone, but I thought his game management was awful. I thought his decision-making of not going for it on fourth down twice was, was both uncharacteristic but also, I felt like he it showed he didn't have a feel for the game. And I, I think I think there are real there are real questions across the board. Again, I mentioned the stat. The defense has not forced a punt in the second half of this game in the past three years. For, for all for all we talked about and raved about the defense, this was a paper tiger again. And granted, they did a good job of limiting limiting explosives. But when the chips were down, they allowed a seven-minute drive that essentially killed the game. Now, they had a chance to win at the end, but the way Kyle McCord had played, do you really expect them to go 82 yards in a minute against that defense? As good as Notre Dame is, that defense is is significantly better. So I, I, I just, I think all around, I want to talk about it more in a future podcast, but I got Ohio state at two, uh, Penn state at three Penn state is, you know, good season, 10 and two, a lot of schools would kill to go 10 and two, you know, the past couple seasons and their only losses be to two top six teams or two top five teams. Uh, whatever you have Ohio state slotted at. Um, they obviously want to get better. I, I think they really need to, to think about how, where their quarterback development is. I'm not sure. I'm not sure James Franklin is built to have a drop back passer in his offenses. Again, I'm going to, I'm going to file that away for a future podcast but if you look at his track record, he's done much better with guys like Trace McSorley and even to a degree, Sean Clifford, because they were mobile, they could run the read option. I, I, Drew Aller I, has struggled a bit. This, I, and he's got tools, right? He's got the big arm. I think he can, he can have touch on the ball. But a lot of people want to say that Drew Aller's not good. I remember watching Christian Hackenberg under Bill O'Brien versus James Franklin. And I thought under Bill O'Brien, I thought Christian Hackenberg was going to be the first first round quarterback from in the big 10 since Kerry Collins. And then 
as Bill O'Brien left and as James Franklin came in, all of a sudden I, I felt like Hackenberg really started to telegraph his throws. Didn't seem as confident. I, I, I wonder it's, it's a thought. I don't know if it's, if that's the right thought, um, but it really seemed like the offense got a spark with Bo Prabula. And I, yeah, I curious to see what happens. I do think next year, at least offensively, they have the opportunity to really take a step. But I said that at the beginning of this past year that I thought they would be better offensively. So I'm not sure, but they are three and they're very clearly three. Um, number four is Iowa. Iowa, you know, I, I give a lot of props to Iowa and a lot of props to Kirk Ferentz. 10 and two, they won the West. And I, I would not be surprised if they give Michigan more of a game in the first half just because of all the emotion. Um, although n- now that I think about it, J- Jim Harbaugh will be on the sideline. I don't know. It, it, I, I feel like it could go either way. It could, it could go either, you know, low scoring game, you know, 20 to 10 type of game, or it could be a bloodbath because Jim Harbaugh is on the sideline. I don't know. Um, but I, it would not surprise me if Iowa was able to keep this close just because of the the, the nature of their defense and the way they've, they've played. But I, I do think I, – I, I feel like I need to say this. You know, Iowa got lucky. They got very lucky. Deacon Hill throws a pick, 40 seconds left. And again, it's 13 to 10. Nebraska has a chance to drive. And uh, Chubba Purdy gives it right back or sorry. No, it was, it was, it was 10 to 10. That's right. It was, it was 10 to 10 and they, they kicked the game winning field goal at the end of the game. That game at the very least should have been a tie go to overtime. And instead Iowa wins it because, you know, their, their defense bails them out, which they, they do all the time. But again, I'm, I'm going to go back to what I've been saying. If you have even a semi-adequate offense, Iowa wins this game going away. And I, I think that's my struggles. Iowa is at four. I think that's their peak. I, I think in the new Big Ten, unless if they can start to run the ball more effectively and and – be able to hit some play action pass. I know they, they've had a lot of injuries, but the reality is this has been the offense all year, whether it was Cade McNamara or Deacon Hill, whether it was Eric all and, and Luke Lachey, or it was Stelianos, right? They, they have not been any different. And so like great, good for Iowa, 10 wins. But when Kirk Ferentz starts complaining about not winning an 11th against Minnesota, that's kind of on you. That's why you needed an offensive coordinator. And, and and I said this a year ago in 2022, people were like, how are you, why are you picking against Iowa? And I'm like, because at some point your luck in these games runs out, right? At some point you playing with fire with these margins is going to burn you. And it did a year ago. Now, I I still think Kirk Ferentz is a phenomenal coach. 
but I, I think he needs, if he wants to continue to stay relevant and keep this Iowa program relevant, he's got to continue to upgrade his, his thought about offense and particularly thinking about how do I continue to play complimentary football and, and help my defense out with my offense. So I, I'm not, I'm not advocating that Iowa become uh, a high flying passing attack. I'm not. What I'm advocating for is figure out how to be effective on offense, figure out how to have a, a quality quarterback and have quality quarterback development. Cause if you do that, you know what? I'm not talking about having a punter's chance against Michigan. I'm talking about real upset alert against Michigan. Cause Michigan's the type of team that if Iowa were better on offense, that they could, they could push a little bit. I don't think that's the case because I think Michigan's too, too effective and too efficient on offense. And I think Iowa, Iowa ultimately is probably going to get buried, but if they had at least some semblance of an offense, it might be a bit closer. So, but I've got Iowa at four Northwestern at five. Um, Here's the reason why David Braun and not Kirk Ferentz is the coach of the year. Northwestern is seven and five. Nobody had them with more than two or three wins. And I know a lot of people, and I've said this a lot and people give me stuff for it. Um, Hawkeye fans. I love you. What David Braun has done is nothing short of miraculous. They beat Illinois in a game which Illinois had to have. They did it on the road against Illinois. And, you know, it wasn't pretty. It was high scoring. Their defense didn't play well. They turned the ball. Ben Bryant turned the ball over two times. But David Braun and his boys got it done. Seven and five. For Northwestern to do that after the past two seasons, remember, they've won four games the past two years. They hadn't won a game on American soil since August of 2022 coming into the season. That's insane. And they went seven and five. In this situation, I can't say enough about David Braun. I can't say enough about Northwestern, how they've gotten better and better. You know, good for them. And, it, it, you know, they beat other teams that were over 500. So it's not like they just beat up on the Indianas, the Michigan States, the Purdue. No offense to those guys. But they beat teams that got over 500. And that's you know, for them to do that, it's a reason why they're number five, but they, they won a high scoring game. They held up late. Uh, they were able to stave off a two point conversion. Uh, it was just great, a great game and a great job for Northwestern to hold on, even though it was sloppy, even though it was, it was messy. They got the job done when it mattered. So kudos to the Wildcats, kudos to David Braun, Great season for Northwestern. They'll go to a bowl game. Just unreal. Unreal. Um, speaking of, of teams, Maryland score, uh, won 42-24. to 24. I, I did not have that. I thought Rutgers was going to win. This is the, the maddening thing about Maryland. They, you know, they finished 7-5, and five, and their offense played really well. Tungavailoa, I, I believe, became the career leader of passing yards. Uh, passing Curtis Painter from Purdue. 
and he had a great game. He scored, you know, three touchdowns, 361 passing yards to one interception. You know, they, they limited turnovers, you know, Rutgers fought back, you know, it was really good for them. You know, Maryland got up early in this game. It was 28 to three. You know, I thought, oh man, but Rutgers fought, but I think, I really think for Rutgers, you know, they got to six and two, had a really nice, you know, really good season, had a nice win against Virginia Tech, who's now six and six. So they beat a bowl eligible Virginia Tech team. You know, they they took other teams to the wire. And then just the it, it was a brutal backstretch. It was a brutal stretch to go Ohio State, Iowa, Penn State, Maryland. And while I've given Maryland a lot of crap. Maryland is still a a more talented team. And to have to face Maryland after having to face Ohio State, Iowa, Penn State, Maryland, I, they just don't have the depth for that, right? They looked really good against Ohio State. And then they got kind of flattened against Iowa. Then they 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 really competed against Penn State. And then I think this was just, it was just a, uh, Maryland was, was on them from the word go and made it really difficult, which is what they needed to do. They got, they, they forced Rutgers to have to play more of a high flying game, uh, to their credit. You know, I, I think Maryland, they finished the season strong. I think they could have easily gone in the tank, you know, really, really good performance against Michigan the week before finish with, uh, I think a decent win over a six and six Rutgers team. So really good for them. But you, if you're a Maryland fan, you keep wondering what could have been, what could have been, this could have been the year to get 10. It at least should have been the year to get nine. And instead you got seven. Uh, now we'll see, we'll see how bowls shake out, but I've got Maryland at six, Wisconsin at seven. Another one where you're like, wow, they finished seven and five. What could have been, they were my, my pick to win the West this year. I thought they would be much better than they were, but I, I don't think I, I don't think I realized just the difficulty of transitioning for Luke Fickle. I think Luke Fickle is going to continue to build that program, but nice win uh, to finish the year, getting uh, Paul Bunyan's ax. Well done. 28 to 14. I thought, I thought they would win by a similar margin. I, I think I had 27 to 10. But they, I think they really controlled the line of scrimmage. Braylon Allen, two touchdowns, 165 yards on 26 carries. You know, Tanner Mordecai played well in this game, running and throwing. And the, the reality is Minnesota just never got to a point where they could, you know, they could really establish the line of scrimmage. Uh, I think Kaliak Manis never progressed like I thought he would. He was okay, 167 yards, but threw a pick. Um, and, and I think really give credit to Wisconsin to really storm back. I think they were five and five and now they've won the last two. And so good job by Wisconsin to, to build some momentum. They were getting healthier. Braylon Allen got back healthy. So good, good game by them. And I've got Wisconsin at seven. I've got Rutgers at eight. Uh, Kyle Manungai did cross the thousand yard mark. I believe he's actually over or maybe was right at 1100 yards, uh, rushing. So good on him. I, I know going six and six after four straight loss, you know, with when you were six and two, you go four straight losses. That's gotta be really hard. 
So hear me when I say this. I really think there are better days ahead. I think this is still a successful season. You're going bowling. Those bowl practices are going to be a big, big deal. And I think if you, you know, the way Greg Schiano is building this program, you know, I, I think Rutgers can continue to build the foundation. And I think you continue to stack winning season after winning season. That starts to get more of the momentum going in recruiting. So I like, I really like where Rutgers is headed. I just think you got, you got Delta backloaded schedule. Like if we're being honest, you got four teams that, you know, four teams, three of which that won at least 10 games. And then a fourth, which everybody had as the fourth best team in the big 10 for more than half the season. So I, I think it stinks that you finished six and six, but let's, let's look at the highlights here to go six and six with this schedule is phenomenal. Like legit phenomenal. Like you look at who they had to face, you know, even think about it. They beat Northwestern. You know, we thought Northwestern was kind of like, you know, the easy game. They played the three top teams of the West. Realize that Iowa, Wisconsin, Northwestern. And then they had to, they had to face Ohio state, Michigan, Penn state. There were no easy games. Like, and I think those are the six they lost, right? They, they beat Indiana. They beat Michigan state. Uh, they, Oh no. Oh no. They beat Northwestern. Duh. They, so they look at the, they had Michigan, Ohio state, Penn state, Maryland, Iowa, Iowa, Northwestern, they, they had the top seven teams in my power rankings. They had all seven of them. And they won one. And they also beat Virginia Tech at a, at a conference, which again, I know that doesn't sound like much, but Virginia Tech was six and six. So like that's, that wasn't a gimme. So I think in context, what a great year for Rutgers to go bowling with that schedule. So good, good on them. Good, good by Greg Schiano. Nebraska is number nine, man. I don't, my heart hurts for Nebraska fans. And so if you're a Nebraska fan, I just want to, I think Matt rule is a better coach than Scott Frost. And I think we've seen that they, he has not lost every game. That was a one score game. And he clearly is changing the culture around. But the reality was this was always going to be a longer term rebuild. And the fact that he got to five wins, I think, is bigger than people realize. But I know it also hurts the, that you had every right to believe you were going to a bowl game this year. And it didn't happen. And so it stinks. You know, you had Wisconsin on the ropes the week before. You were 40 seconds away from upsetting Iowa. Um, the reality is the, the offense has to get better. The defense was great. Defense did a great job. They really hunkered down on Iowa in the second half. And in a lot of ways, they, they should have won that game. Credit Iowa's defense. Um, 
Purdy, I, I think Chuba Purdy is is going to be is is going to be really good. Um, you know, I thought he made some good throws, made some bad decisions. Obviously, that that game ending interception uh, or the interception, the last interception he threw was uh, not a good throw. But you know, he's got. He, I think there's potential there. They, they they just need to upgrade the talent on the offensive side of the ball. And I think the other thing you have to remember, they had so many injuries, particularly at the running back spot, but also just all over the place. This was always going to be a tough ask. And so I don't think this is like Scott Frost. Don't treat Matt rule like Scott Frost. I think he's the right guy for the job. And I think, I think they're going to get things moving, but I, my heart hurts for Nebraska fans. I got Nebraska at nine. Illinois at 10. I, I I just think they they didn't have a ton of depth and losing all the talent that they lost from a year ago. They just never got back, you know, back to that 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 standard that I thought they would. Um, you know, I didn't think they were I thought they would go bowling. Um, so it's it totally dis, you know, disappointing season for them. I think with Bielema, though, I, you know, I think the future's still bright. Yeah, you know, have a couple quarterbacks that you can really choose from, and I think that can really grow. Curious to see what some of their receivers do. Um, I think Isaiah Williams is a junior, so I I don't know if he would go consider going pro. Um, but I do. I mean, they have pieces. Obviously, Johnny Newton. He's he's heading out. Um. But I, I do think that, you know, I, I really do think that this is a, this is a, a speed bump for the Illini. Um, but you, you, I think the big thing that you got to think about on, in the offseason, how, how does Illinois get back to being a defense that, that really does create havoc and really, you know, guards against big plays, guards against gashing. Like if you look at, you know, they allowed over 40 points to Purdue. They allowed 45 points to Northwestern. Like those are not great offensive teams, but then on, on top of that, as good as some of their offensive playmakers can be, the turnovers are just unacceptable. You know, two interceptions, two, two fumbles for the Illini. Well, that's why you're losing games. You know, the, the, it's the compliments of, turnovers and poor defense after those turnovers that that's that needs to get cleaned up so i trust bielema will my 11th ranked team is minnesota they they lost by 14 i i i think pj fleck has to really do some soul searching uh for this program you know they lost a lot on the offensive line obviously they lost mo ibrahim they they lost Trey Potts to the transfer portal, which shocked me because I thought he was a good back for them. And he transferred to a situation where he wasn't going to get playing time. So I, I I have questions about Minnesota moving forward. I, I think, you know, Daniel Jackson had a really nice season, but he was maybe the, the lone bright spot in a passing game that I thought would be a lot better. Uh, I thought Kaliak Manis would have gotten better and he did not. So yeah, I'm very concerned for Minnesota moving forward. Concerned for PJ Fleck. Purdue, uh, really good way to end the season for Ryan Walters. You know, I thought Hudson Card played a, a, a pretty good game. The defense turned Brandon Sorsby over three times. So, uh, uh, in a lot of ways, 
it was a tight game. I, you know, I, I, I questioned Ryan Walters. I, they went for it for, went for two, the, the first two touchdowns. And I was like, what do you, I, I, I in, in general, I'm not in favor of going for two points unless you really have to. I, I didn't understand that, but I, that being said, they won the rivalry game. And, you know, I think that was a, it was a good first season considering all the talent and the lack of momentum Purdue had after Jeff Brom had left. So good, good on Purdue to, to win the old Oak and bucket Michigan state 13. Um, yeah. And it was just a rough season for them. It was, it was always going to be a rough season before Mel Tucker got fired and then Mel Tucker got fired. I think there's a lot to commend Michigan state for and Harlan Barnett, keeping that, you know, keeping that team playing hard you know, they won two games out of the, the last four weeks, but I, I mentioned this on Twitter. You see enough flashes on this team to think if you get the right coach, there might be some consistency. They do. They did hire Jonathan Smith out of Oregon state, which I think is a great hire hard nosed built a really good running game. And he has a, a history of rebuilding a program. It wasn't one year like Mel Tucker. And he didn't even do that well at Colorado the, the year that he had at Colorado. But Jonathan Smith went from, you know, a, a, the worst program in the Pac-12, you know, maybe as good as a, as a mid-tier group of five team, like at best. And he took them and, and became a legitimate top 25 team the past two years. And so I think it's a, a phenomenal hire. He's bringing his offensive line coach with him which either offensive line coach or offensive coordinator. Um, I forget which one it is, but he's the type of guy you want at Michigan state. Tough, tough nosed, you know, gritty blue collar. My one concern with Jonathan Smith is his whole football career has been on the West coast in the mountain time zone. It's either been PAC 12 or like big sky with Montana and uh, what's the other team? Idaho, Idaho. He was at Idaho as an assistant. Are you going to be able to pull in recruits to Michigan state from the West coast? And can you start to develop relationships in the Midwest right now to, to really get things moving? I don't know. I think that's a good, I, I think that's going to be an interesting question, but I think in terms of mentality, in terms of pedigree, great hire. I, I think maybe the best hire they could have made. Um, so I got Michigan state at 13, obviously, you know, they looked good in moments in the first half against Penn state and then Penn state did what they've done to most teams that have, that they've been better than they just kind of bowled them over in the second half. So that was, I think that was bound to happen. I didn't think Penn state was going to get upset by Michigan state. And then Indiana uh, fought valiantly, was ahead for most of the game against Purdue, or at least a good chunk of the game against, against Purdue, but they did fall. Uh, Tom Allen gets fi uh, was fired. I, I think it was the right call. Not, be not because Tom Allen... I, Tom, Allen Tom Allen was promoted from within. And he... You know, he had a good run, you know, 
he had a couple of five and seven seasons. And then they go eight and five. And then they have the the COVID year. And you're like, oh man, this is great. And they were ranked going into 2021. Then they go two and 10. Pen, you know, Michael Penix, who's now at Washington, gets hurt. And it just it just falls off. You know, in the past three years, it's nine wins. Uh, and they finished seventh, sixth, and seventh in the East. Lost all the momentum. You had to let him go because he it, basically he plateaued and then nose he nosedived. And I'm just not sure he's a Big Ten caliber coach. So do, I don't know where Indiana goes from here because I've seen a lot of names uh, come up for that that coaching vacancy. A lot of offensive coordinators or position coaches that are young up and comers. I'll, I'll be quite honest. If I'm a young, young up and comer and I'm tasked with going to Indiana with the infusion of good to great programs that are going in, I'm staying as far away from Indiana as possible. And I don't mean that disrespectfully to Indiana. It's just, who are you going to out recruit? how are you going to elevate your status? Like that's, that's the problem that Indiana has. And so I, I think you got to get a guy, the, the one name out there that really surprised me and it's controversial is Pat Fitzgerald. Pat Fitzgerald, uh, his name is thrown in. I, I don't know with all the controversy surrounding him, if that would work, but if, if, if there's someone that would be a good fit for Indiana in terms of being able to take a lesser, uh, a, a lower rated program and make them relevant, it would be him. But I, I would not like, I, and this is just the, the reality of where Indiana is. Uh, you know, I think they might be able to get a, a decent group of five uh, Jason Candle out of Toledo might be is another name that's been mentioned, but I, it would just be hard if I, if I'm a young position coach and my name is on the rise, and you're telling me, hey, you could become the head coach of Indiana. You have your own program, and I got a face some combination of Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, USC, Washington, UCLA, Oregon, Michigan State every year? Like, no. No way, never. Because that that's just, particularly with where the program is at right now. Right? Indiana, outside of 2020, has no track record of ever being successful for sustained periods of time. And they, like Mich Michigan state and Indiana are very different circumstances. Like Michigan state was in a playoff eight years ago. Michigan state was in a new year, six, new year, six bowl two years ago. And, and I, I know Indiana fans might say, well, but Indiana was in a new year, six bowl. Yeah. And they got crushed. And it was only because of COVID. Like COVID almost doesn't count. And so in Indiana, you have to understand, you got to get, like, it's going to be really hard to lure a young position coach or a hot young coach 
to, to your program. It's gotta be someone who's probably a bit older, more seasoned and someone who has a track record of taking bad programs and making them respectable. And, you know, actually Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Smith might be good for that job too, but I honestly, Pat Fitzgerald, if, if they're willing to take a risk on him might be the right guy, but I, I don't know. I, I just think Indiana is in a, is in a tough spot. Uh, they're in a tough spot with realignment. They're in a tough spot. Um, cause I think they really thought Tom Allen was the guy after 2020 and it just, it was like the carpet got pulled out from underneath them as a program. And it, it's a bummer because it was a great story. You know, I thought Tom Allen did a, you know, was very motivational, but the reality is he's, it, it, it just had to happen. So let me go to the top 10 real quick. This is going a lot longer than I thought, but that's okay. That's okay. Top 10, Georgia, number one, Michigan, number two, Washington, number three, Florida state four. So they're the four undefeateds. I, I think, you know, those four, you know, win and they're in right. Number five, I have Texas, Texas smoked Texas tech. I, I had Alabama above Texas last week. Shame on me. Shame on me. Texas beat Alabama. Texas is over them. I have Ohio state at six. Uh, I, I think for right now, Ohio state at six, uh, what they've done trumps what Bama and Oregon have done. So I, I've got Ohio state at six. I have Alabama at seven. I've Oregon at eight. Now, up to that point, Texas, Alabama, and Oregon, I think all control their own, their own destiny. Tech, if Texas, well, let me rephrase that. Texas does not, Texas does not control their own destiny. Let me rephrase that. Texas is in trouble if, how do I say this? If the top four went out, if Georgia wins out, if Georgia, Michigan, Washington, and Florida State all win, Texas is out. I think if Alabama beats Georgia, I think Texas gets in. I almost think you have to put Texas in because Texas has the head-to-head -head over Alabama. I think if Washington loses, I think Texas is is still out because I think I, I think the committee likes Oregon more, which I don't agree with. I think Texas has the better win. But I think they I think Texas is going to be screwed over because they get Oklahoma State instead of Oklahoma in the title game. Um if Florida State loses, Texas is in. So Texas has has Texas has some uh they, they don't control their own destiny right now. Um, Alabama, I think, does. I think if Alabama... Well, no, I just said if Alabama beats, beats Georgia, they got to hope that they don't put Texas over them. Uh, I, I think they would. And I think Oregon, if they beat Washington, I think they're in. So I... It's weird. I don't... As, as I do that thought exercise, I, I'm not sure what to make of the playoff. 
Um, I have Missouri nine and Penn State ten. That that rounds up my top ten. Um, interesting week of championship weekend. I'll, I'll preview all the championship games for next week. All the ones that are power five. Uh, I'm not going to do the group of five. Um, and as well as as get to some audience questions and whatnot. But really appreciate you guys. Appreciate you listening. Uh, this has again been the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Appreciate you guys. Um, yeah, excited. Uh, make sure to check out not just us here and, and you know subscribe, leave reviews. By the way, Yankee Wolverine, uh, you left me a, just in a glowing review. I'm going to read it next uh, this upcoming week. Also, just shout outs to to my guys Jim and Chris Ebersol, Tony Beard. You guys were texting me the past couple weeks. Uh, Sean on, on Spotify. You guys are awesome. I really appreciate you all. Appreciate you guys listening in, supporting the podcast. Um, championship week is here. This has been the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. Thanks. Take care. God bless.